0: Welcome to Making Movies is Hard, where we talk about um, the struggles of independent <laughs> filmmakers. Is that
1: right? Oh, man, you sound tired. <laughs> <laughs> Did I even say it right?
0: Did I say the intro right? Uh,
1: who cares? All right. Is just that, tell us what's going on with you.
0: Um, yeah, I just uh, I just woke up. I was editing t- till 6 uh, o'clock in the morning, uh, which was awesome. Got a lot done. Um you know, I, I basically have like the first fully formed rough cut of my short film. So
1: that's great. How do you feel about it? Yeah,
0: I feel good. I I got to, you know, I have a producer I'm working with and, and then my DP is kind of acting like a producer too. So I just sent it to those guys and, and they're very brutal, which is nice. So they just tell me, you know, they, they, they dispense with the niceties and they just say, this is good. This is bad. This
1: isn't working fix that why'd you do this that's good you need those people in your lives right
0: yeah it's important it's good it's really nice to to just have people who are who really believe in the project who who want it to be good and aren't just you know giving advice because they have to they're giving you advice because they're vested in it as well you know right
1: they want it to be as good as possible
0: i mean they basically like well, tack right to the jugular of what they think isn't working and often it's it's what i think isn't working too and often it's things i tried that i thought were were like um you know sort of fun kind of goofy ideas um and they're just like no like why did you do that
1: do you ever do something and you kind of hope that people won't notice it or that it's just bothering you and it's not going to bother other people. And then when they call it out, you're like, Oh, of course, of course it's bad. I don't know why I left that in there. Like, I didn't know why I thought I could fool people.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think also I do that with myself too, though. Like I'll, I'll, I'll do a fix or something. Cause they're like, Oh, I, this will work. Like, you know, nobody will notice like putting a, a piece of audio or, or this or that, but I, I have a projector at my house the projector just reveals all. So even if somebody else doesn't see it, like I'm like, Oh yeah, that's not going to work. Like, Oh, I can't get away with that.
1: Things do change when you project them very large. And we're so used to seeing things on computers, especially when you're editing, you just have like one quarter of your computer as the, the window with your video in it. And then you go watch it like on a movie theater screen. And it's like, everything is magnified by like a hundred times. I want to talk a little bit about our podcast going live. For the this is our first week into it, and sure. it was a lot scarier than I thought it was gonna be. Yeah, it's I was feeling scary. like, yeah, I was feeling pretty good after we had like edited the episodes and kind of like listening to it in isolation. I was like, yeah, this is awesome. Like, I, I'm gonna be really proud when I put this out there. And then I had like this oh shit moment as soon as like we went live. It was kind of like thinking about all the people that had access to it and could listen to it, whether or not they listened to it or not, didn't matter just the fact that it was out there and that people with like way more experience than us had access to it. And it's like, what do we sound like to those people?
0: Yeah. It's pretty crazy. Like anyone in the world has access to it. So any person (laughs) could potentially listen to this, not that they will, but it's like, you know, I I think, I think it's, it's, it's nice to me like just thinking about it. It's like, okay, well, You know, we're not trying to say we're experts. We're not trying to say that we know it all. So I think that makes me feel better right there. Yeah.
1: Well, my example for like anybody having access to it is I was in an edit suite with my coworkers on Monday and they're like, oh, how's the podcast going? It's like, oh, we just went live today. And they're like, oh, really? And they opened up iTunes and like right away they're like downloading it on their phones or like oh we should just play it out loud right here is like oh my god this is so terrible my coworkers can listen to it they have they don't even care about like making independent films but now they can just like listen to me talk about anything and now that it's going to be like ammo they're going to use against me and make fun of me they just made fun of me all day on Monday for having a podcast
0: yeah no that's funny yeah it's it's just like you know when you see that it's out there you're like oh we actually have a podcast and then people were texting me like bro you have a
1: podcast oh man I'm gonna <laughs> listen to that i'm like oh <laughs> <laughs> i didn't imagine you were gonna be listening to it no well, and I, here's I, the I, other I, thing i had no idea that you that when you put a podcast live on itunes actually pretty much anywhere you can't really tell how many people are subscribed or are listening to it so mm. at this moment there could be 100 people listening to it or zero people listening to it. We have no clue. So if you're listening to the show and you like it, please let us know because we have no clue right now if anybody's listening or we're just talking to ourselves, which is fine. We could totally talk to ourselves. We're having fun doing it, but it would be nice to know if people are you know, getting something from this.
0: Oh yeah, totally. I mean, the point for us, I think, was always for it to be just more of a conversation, and then hopefully that conversation would grow. But uh, but we'll see. I mean, I'm having fun talking to Timothy. Like this is the most I've talked to you in a long time,
1: and <laughs> this, is this is great. <laughs> it's an excuse to hang out.
0: Yeah, totally.
1: All right, we're gonna talk about uh, how we decide what our next project is gonna be. Mm. So oh, yeah. here's a, like the thing about indie filmmaking is it's so expensive and usually you're putting your own money into a project and uh, I think it's important to just kind of think through like what is if you're going to be doing this for a while how do you choose the projects that you're going to work on where are you going to invest your time where are are you going to invest your money so let's talk a little bit about how we do it and then maybe that'll kind of inform other people who might be making that same decision yeah that sounds good like, why did you decide to make your latest short film, Brother?
0: Brother. Okay. Um, well, because um, well, we shot a lot around my house at, at Lake Merritt, which was something I've been wanting to do for a long time because I just love the lake a lot.
1: Wait, back up a little bit, though. What, when was the last okay. time you shot a short film?
0: Before that, um, I guess, strange thing. So like 2012, whoa. Or when was... <laughs>
1: so it's been yeah. it's been three years.
0: Yeah, basically, since I shot a real, like, short, narrative short film, yeah.
1: Yeah, okay, so, starting there, at what point in the last, probably, year did you just feel like, I have to shoot something else, and where, when did Brother, like, get born, how long did it take you to write the script, and then when did you pull the trigger on shooting it?
0: I didn't really know I wanted to make a short film, um, you know, until... Sometime middle of last year when I was going to these film festivals and watching all these amazing short films and meeting... What, what was your the,
1: plan after Strange Thing?
0: Uh, To make the feature version, to raise the money. And, and, so that's and, all you were
1: focused on for like the first year pretty, or two? Pretty much, that?
0: yeah. I was just writing the, the, the feature and um, stumbling on that. So like the first year of when I was doing post on the short, I wrote a feature that didn't turn out right and so then i was like trying to make that work and then in that process i wrote another feature that did work um which is like loosely based on strange thing but it's different so i was like yeah i got my script i'm at film festivals this is what they always say you need to do you have to have the script when you're at the film festival so if you meet somebody you can like you know give them your script i gave it to like maybe three people (laughs) yeah (laughs) over 20 film festivals who were those people um, Mostly just filmmakers to read and give feedback.
1: But so just to kind of like recap where we are with this. So you went to film festivals with Strange Thing thinking that right. you were going to kind of come out on the other end with somebody who'd be interested in making it in making a feature with you. And then when nothing gelled, did you say, well, I should just go make another short film because I need something else. Or I am I want to make another short film because I can't afford to do a feature right now. Where did the shift into thinking I want to do another short film happen?
0: I was talking to a friend of mine um, about making my feature and he was like referencing filmmakers that we knew and saying like, well, this guy's got three under his belt and this guy's got three under his belt. Like, you know, you got feature one films, the shorts.
1: Oh, shorts. Gotcha. Sh-
0: shorts. Yeah and like you know and he's like well you get one and, and I, he just watched it and i think that he liked it but it wasn't like definitely not booming enthusiasm by all means yeah um so i think his basic advice was like you know you need to like expand your your breadth of work you know if you're going to be taken seriously before you do the feature and at that point i was like fuck you, buddy, like, I'm going to make my feature. (laughs) That's what I care about. And I talked to a whole bunch of other people at this time because when I'm going to these film festivals, I'm meeting with, like, every single person I can the whole time, you know, like, just talking, asking questions, meeting with filmmakers, just getting feedback on, like, what they're doing, what they've done, and, like, you know, meeting these people who are, like, just in my position who've, like, got features under their belt. And they're like, just like me, you know, in this in seemingly same posi- position, like no manager, no agent, no money, just trying to get their next project off the ground. And so I'm starting to yeah. see that it's a different world out there. And then so it wasn't until later that I decided I wanted to make the short film. And that was sort of inspired by this uh, filmmaker, uh, filmmakers, I guess, who I saw online. And they did this, this thing where they shot a short film a month for a year. And so I was like, "Well, shit! If they can do one a month for a year, <laughs> I could do one by my March, like no problem." But what's um, the what's
1: your goal at this time? Just to have another short film, the experience um, of shooting a short film, like what what's the goal of just shooting of shooting something?
0: Um, to get better, because like you know, it's been three years since I'd made my last short film. I, I'd done other projects and I'd produced shorts and stuff, but I hadn't directed one in a long time. And it's like you know, like I can't just wait around not directing a feature trying to raise money and like not directing like i need to be directing movies in order to get better at directing because i i realize that you know i made one short film i'm no genius you know like i'm (laughs) no master director like i i need the experience and i think like you need to be able to prove to like you know other professionals that you can do this and i think one short film if it went to can or like Sundance or something, then maybe they'll buy that. But um, I think you need to have like a portfolio, you know, and and at least a track record to say like you're doing it and you're serious. Yeah,
1: that's a good point. A lot of filmmakers, because they believe that it's just like that one film is going to put them over the top or that one screenplay is going to put them over the top because there's so many people that think that then you start to see kind of like the people that are serious about it aren't just doing one and then stopping and just trying to make something with that project that they they keep going. They go onto to the next one, on to the next one, on the next one and get stronger and stronger and stronger. And it does show that they're super serious about it. They want to get better. And that's not just like they're trying to win the lottery, but they're really interested in the craft of it.
0: Yeah. What's that filmmaker's name? He's, he's the same name as a famous actor, uh, Steve. Um, Steve Cat. McQueen. Steve McQueen, I think he did something like twenty shorts before he ever made a feature. It's wow. pretty crazy. I don't know, but beyond that, it's it's just really for me. It's like staying sharp and like keeping your your skills. You know, not just keeping your skills good because I think just getting your skills better. You know, like I think we could all like you know benefit from just making more movies. You know, because you'll just get better at it. Like the more that you do anything, you get better. So. Do you regret
1: that it took you three years to make another movie? Yeah,
0: a little bit. I wish I would have made another one sooner, but I think um, the journey I took to get to this next film was important in a lot of ways, you know? Just to be really Berkeley on you, you know, <laughs> But, <laughs> what, is, but yeah, what does that mean I don't know, like really like emotional and spiritual, like oh yes, my I wasn't in the right place to make my movie until now, and it's <laughs> it's somewhat true, but I mean you know I, if I had done it two years ago, I think it would have been better it, I don't think brother would have been a, would have been as good as it as it could potentially be now if I had made it two years ago and I probably wouldn't Why have made not? that movie, I would have made a different movie. Oh, because I've learned so much, you know, from going to film festivals, watching a lot more movies, studying film, writing, you know, like I just think I've learned a lot about the process and the craft. And then I would have been probably been making some of the same mistakes that I made on strange thing, you know, and I think right. now I I was able to learn and, and make different mistakes, you know. Yeah.
1: Cash up all that experience and then and use it on something. It's, it, it, I find I'm doing the same thing because I'm uh. I produce TV commercials so then I'm on sets with directors and I'm always watching them work and usually pull one or two techniques out from each project and just kind of put it in this little notebook in my head of like, oh, that's a cool way to do that. That's a cool way to do that. And then when I do make a movie, then I can apply all those things that I learned towards it. And I I find, yeah, yeah, just observing and watching other people work does help you get to like a, a different level even if you're not practicing it. You're just kind of like storing that information,
0: you know, and and it it was interesting, like through this process, like before I made brother, I I was very aware that there were certain things I wanted in my next short that my other short didn't have. Um, And and one of those things was some sort of recognizable talent involved, um, which I was able to get, luckily enough. I mean, it's not, you know, not a super famous person, but. Famous to to, well known to a lot of people, you know, and definitely in certain um, areas and cities, you know. Um, So that was cool. And I mean, it was it's funny. It's like because you look at it and it's like on his end is a total gamble to work with me. But on my end, like it's almost a gamble to work with him, too, because I mean, he's been in things, but not a ton of stuff. And so I was pretty much basing my decision almost entirely on his, um, you know, stand-up comedy, just, just seeing him online, watching his, his footage and then going to his show. I was like, okay, well that's enough for me. Cause I could just see that, you know, that what he was doing on stage was definitely an act and manufactured, you know? And then when I met him in person and he was so calm and, and, and reserved and which is not how he is on stage, I was like, oh, yeah, like this guy, he can do what I want him to do.
1: He's probably used to because of his stand up experience, just knowing how to be in the moment and just kind of take things as they come, because every comedy show, I'm sure, is like slightly different. Yeah, he's doing the same material over and over again, but he has to access the same pieces of himself to make sure that it consistently feels like he's just coming up with it on the fly. That's a skill that comedians have where it always feels like they're telling you that joke for the first time, even though they've told it like a hundred times. So I think that applies to acting.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, he just was like really, really down for the improvisation, you know, and he just would ad-lib lines, which I love when actors do that, just bring their own take to it, bring their own personality to everything. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, he brought a lot of personality, which was really, really good. But but all the actors
1: did. Did you have any turmoil over how much money the movie was going to cost you to make? Like, is this the right one to spend my money on? Or was it cheap enough that you're like, oh, no, no brainer. It's a f- totally affordable.
0: Um, Well, I think when I walked into it, I was like, oh, man, I just produced a movie for three thousand dollars like this will be three thousand dollars also. But then I wasn't even, like, using my brain at all because um, the one that I produced for 3000 we shot in one day. Uh, This one we're shooting in three days. Um, There's more special (laughs) effects. And I think a part of me thought that maybe my producer would be down to throw in some money and, like, help me pay for it. But then when I asked him, he was, like, completely, like like what are you talking about (laughs) i was like yeah obviously (laughs) if i wanted that i should have said that first not like halfway through pre-production um (laughs) are you willing to say
1: how much the movie cost you
0: um yeah i mean i don't i don't know i haven't actually taken the time to look at the hard numbers yet but i think it's somewhere around eight thousand dollars
1: and as part of the, the way that you got yourself in a situation with was being naive and thinking you could do it for less, and then by the time you're kind of like already halfway through the process you're just like well it's gonna cost more there's nothing i can do about it now
0: yeah a little bit it was a little bit of that like you know just sort of thinking about the number and like being like oh yeah three thousand i was like oh well it's really gonna be more like five thousand and like oh it's really gonna be more like six thousand And just every time that happened just sort of being okay with it you know and uh i mean i think it was important because if i had at any moment if i had said no to any of the times the budget went up um it would have made for a way lesser film. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the first, the big jump was really special effects. Cause I, I guess I thought in my head that what I was trying to do was rather simple. And then um, as soon as I had my first conversation with a special effects artist, they were like, Oh no, like you need to do, um, you know, like a, a, a body cast and you have to do this and you have to do that. I'm like, Oh, well this isn't going to be cheap, is it? And you know, he did it for a really, really low number. But it's still like that was a hard expense I couldn't get around. Yeah. But I mean, besides that, like everybody worked for free, you know, like I I mean, I just basically was like food, um, lodging for some of the actors, um, permits and um, some equipment. But I mean, I got most of it for free. That's great. Which was like really, really, really good. Yeah. You know.
1: Yeah, that's huge. So Do you have another project that you're thinking about after this one's done?
0: Uh, a short film or a feature?
1: Either. Like, what's next? Do you know it? Do you have, like, a plan for what's next, or are you just going to see how this plays out before you decide?
0: Yeah. I, I've, so I got my feature script that I've been working on for a while, and and um, during this whole process, I was also getting um, concept art made for that and working on, um, like, a lookbook for that mm-hmm. with, a, with a concept artist. And so... Basically, when um, the short is done, like I'm going to switch gears back to that, like do a, a, another rewrite on the on the script and then finish the lookbook um, and then uh, send it to a couple people that I know who whom have expressed interest in the script, you know, and like maybe able to produce it. And then from there, it's just, yeah, just hitting it hard and like, you know, sending out query letters, I think. And um, how much money do you think you need for this feature? Uh well I did a budget so the low budget where it's like everyone's barely working for anything um that one's like two hundred thousand mm-hmm. um but it probably can go lower and then the one where it's like we're all happy and um, things are good is six hundred thousand that's
1: totally reasonable
0: um, I, I, I just I've been hearing a lot from people that like um you know like doing a movie. like $500,000 or under is like pretty common or doing a movie that's like a million to a million and a half is Mm -hmm. common but like not very many movies get made for the gray area of like between five and a hundred thousand and a million Um, so I'm wondering like you know if I'll be an exception because I've heard of other people who've made movies for that amount so I know it's not not completely untrue Um, but I wonder what will happen and I imagine that like You know, in order to be profitable, like you want to make the movie for the least amount that you can possibly make it. Right. You know, so I'll probably just try to drive that number down low. I think
1: in the last few years, the the acquisition price of movies like at Sundance has been around two million dollars at most for a feature film. So I think that's where some of those numbers are coming from, is if you spend Mm -hmm. you want to spend less than two million. So that way, when somebody buys your movie. That you're you're making all your budget back, and then everything after that's just gravy.
0: And then I've I've also heard that you never want to tell people what your budgets are for your movies <laughs> because then yeah, because then if if you say your your budget's like five hundred thousand, then they'll be like, oh well, we'll buy it for two hundred fifty thousand.
1: So that's why I always hear interviews with filmmakers, especially like independent filmmakers, after Sundance or Toronto or whatever, wherever they sold their film, and they're always unwilling to say what the budget is. I always wondered what that was for. Yeah, I, I think that's uh, why. But if they've already sold it, what does it matter? Well, because so I re- I ran
0: I heard about this at film festivals originally because like people in the Q and As would always ask what budgets, and then some filmmakers would be like, you know, never say what your budget is because you know if there is a distributor here in the audience, they're going to hear that and they're going to have that information, and then they're going to uh, lower their offer based uh. off of the budget they hear. So you don't want to tell people what the budget of your movie is because then they're going to take advantage of that. Um, so luckily, I'm not actually making a movie. So those budgets I just mentioned aren't <laughs> actually the budgets for my future. <laughs> when people. you do actually make but, it, it
1: will be a $2 million budget. <laughs>
0: well, yeah, well, $5 million, <laughs> you know. Um It's impossible to make a movie for less than five million. One person told me that one time that I was like talking to some filmmaker and they're like, yeah, I couldn't make a movie for less than 1.4. Was that me? I was like,
1: no. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like something I would say.
0: When you did, when I did meet you, you did say something about like, yeah, I don't want to make a feature for less than 20 million. I'm
1: like, yeah. That's not, that's not true. But at the time when we met, I was focus on the Spirit Machine screenplay which I knew was going to be at least like a $20 million movie so that's probably where my head was at but since then no, I've, uh, I've sobered up and I realized that I need to do something much smaller
0: Yeah, yeah, we've had some sane conversations since yeah. then so <laughs> um, yeah man so uh, like I don't know I don't have the show notes so I don't even know what we're talking about we're still so talking about uh, so how
1: do we decide what the next project is going to be you talked a lot about where you are with brother and why you decided to make that. I have kind of a similar story in that every single short film that I've made has taken me about, it's like two year stretch in between each one of them. So
0: when when I think about this question, like how do you get started on your movie? Like the things I start to talk about are all like the, the practical producery things Mm -hmm. and like the sort of the emotional reason behind doing the project in the first place. But what I want to hear from you is like so when you're thinking about your next project, how do you concept the idea? Like, How does that happen?
1: Uh, do you want to talk about a specific project? Um, Yeah, I think every one of them is probably a little different.
0: Yeah, I guess so. Um, yeah, let's talk about Spirit Machine just because, I mean, that's a big one for you. And yeah, it'd be interesting to hear about that. Yeah,
1: so up until that point. I had done two short films and the last one was Man's Best Friend, which played at a few film festivals. And that all happened in like 2009, 2010. And I was kind of in the same place you were with Strange Thing, which is like, great. I had this film that's played at festivals. It turned out really good. Now, if I just have a feature screenplay, I think I might be able to make something happen. But it didn't really happen that way. It, And it took me a while to kind of realize that fact and just accept that I was going to have to keep on making short films until I could really interest people in it. So up until that point, I'd always just chosen the only idea slash screenplay that was like lying around. And I just wait until I just couldn't stand waiting anymore and be like, I just got to shoot something. I I got the screenplay. Let's let's go shoot it. So I didn't want to do that for my next film. And I decided I'm going to write five screenplays. And I'm just going to choose the best one. (laughs) Wow. So I just started like generating ideas and like writing these little short films, like five to 10 minutes long. And I wrote over probably like six months. I wrote five different ideas. I shared them with my friend who produced uh, Man's Best Friend. And out of those, he picked one and we started just developing that one back and forth. And it eventually turned into Spirit Machine. Over the course of developing that, it just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. But I was falling in love with it more and more and more. And uh, I realized that it was the movie that I was destined to make. Like I was like, this is the movie I've been trying to make that I've been wanting to make. And I just never had an idea that was this compelling. And so I just went after it. I just started pursuing it. And it was something that I just couldn't stop pursuing. Even when I like sat down. I remember the first time I like sat down and like figured out what the budget was gonna be and it was something like seventy five thousand dollars
0: and mm. I was just
1: totally shattered. I was like, how am I gonna pull this off? How am I gonna make this happen? Like there's no way. Like this is the movie I wanna make and this is how much it's gonna cost. I might as well just go buy a house. This is dumb. <laughs> but I still kept going. And then I ended up raising a bunch of money on Kickstarter and doing it. And so one of the questions we have on like the the sheet is, do do we consider budget when coming up with an idea? Obviously, I don't. I was stupid and I didn't. And I just kind of went after it. I think it's probably smarter to think about your budget and your limitations. I didn't really think about my limitations at all. I just like anything that I can come up with, I can make happen. And I was very naive in that way. It sounds like you're approaching it in a little smarter fashion.
0: Well, a little bit. I mean, I, I kind of like when I write ideas, I'm sort of thinking about my air, er- like the locations where I'm going to shoot these things kind of right away. And, you know, I've made two movies in my apartment that I live in right now already. Um, so, you know, I, I kind of are, already have in my mind as I'm writing, like I kind of envision the locations of where it's going to take place. Um but then it always ends up being more difficult than it sounds,
1: you know? <laughs> oh, yeah. Making movies always is easier in your head than it is in practicality.
0: Yeah. And I think when you have high standards and and, and, and when you go out into the world and you see all the other movies that are being made, you realize how high the, the, the standard is now. Like you can't just make a movie and, and like just any kind of movie and think people are going to be impressed. Like you have to make a sh- fucking awesome movie. Like it needs to be fucking <laughs> awesome awesome you know because there's just like I go out into the world and see these films at film festivals and like I mean even at the tiny little no name film festivals like there's like hundreds of movies that are just
1: awesome just awesome and they're so good yeah I know. it pisses me off that they're so good
0: well it, it, it encourages me-, me I don't know I try not to do the piss off part although <laughs> I, I would I'm not too high in my to say that I don't get angry when I see like a film that I think is just beautiful and I'm like oh my god well they probably had like three hundred thousand dollars to make that or they probably had blah blah blah. But uh and then they're like, Oh no, I shot it uh, you know, with all my friends for free. <laughs> like uh
1: a- Yeah. This might apply more for me than it is for you, but have you ever thought about putting your time and energy into just making a feature film instead of a bunch of short films? And I, I mean, one of the reasons I ask is because um some directors I worked with on the commercial side just said, "Like, forget short films. Just go make a feature film. No one cares about short films. They want to know that you've made a feature. So rather than putting all your time and energy into all these little tiny short films, just put it all towards a feature."
0: Yeah, I kind of feel that way. I mean, not that I don't, not that I feel that shorts are useless and not good. Um, but I kind of feel like the next thing I do needs to be able to make some kind of money cuz short films you really can't make money on, you know, and, and I don't I never really thought I that you could. Like I was just making them because I need to get better and that's a way to get better. Um, you know, and, and just tell stories. Um and and, that's and a have good a point. calling card, you know, for yourself. Like I have a Yeah,
1: cuz I think with short films it is so much more about like just showing off your talent and having a calling card. But because this industry is a business and they want to know that you've made money on stuff and you can't really prove that with a short film, then short films can only get you so far if you, but if you've made a feature that's made money, then all of a sudden like you're uh, in a, in a different place than you would be if you just had made like five short films that were just successful on the festival circuit.
0: Yeah. I think, I think it's like, I'm I'm sort of probably going to look at it the same way that I, that I did. Well, not the same way, but a little bit different. Like, basically now I'm gonna to start to make my feature and, and try to raise the money and try to get that to happen however I can but if it, if it's a year later and I'm not closer to pre-production or if I don't have any money and I'm in the same position I am now like I just need to make something you know and um, hopefully it would be a short film that costs less than my last one you know because I don't want to be dropping eight to ten thousand dollars on a short every year like that's ridiculous um but i mean you know just something that i can shoot for like very little to no money like i don't know i just i just think it's important like you know i really want to make the short the feature like that is absolutely an important goal and like that's definitely the next thing for me you know but it's like you got to stay hungry as an artist and you have to keep on making stuff you know and if i'm not able to make a bigger project then yeah let's i'll make what i can make you know
1: yeah, I think the barrier to make a feature for me has always been money, and uh, a lot of, a lot of that's driven by the ideas that I have. That everything that I've written myself is just so huge. It's like I always choose these projects that are just so massive and so complex, and there's no way that I could pull it off myself. I envy people that can just write a tiny little story with just two actors like in one location like I have never been able to come up with that so that's part of the reason I'm out right now looking for other screenplays, because I know that it's just something that my brain doesn't do but I feel like even if you come up with a small scenario with just a few actors in a room it's still going to cost you money and then where does that money come from and can you excite enough people to do a kickstarter campaign or can you find an investor that's willing to put the money into it even at what you're saying like a two hundred thousand dollar film i'm guessing something that's out of your range to like fund yourself that you're gonna have to go find other investors right oh
0: yeah absolutely and i mean i just had a conversation with a filmmaker just yesterday and he was basically saying that in his experience talking to um investors they're basically saying it's like really hard to raise two hundred thousand dollars but it's like easier to raise a larger amount of money for multiple projects than just a small mm-hmm. amount of money for one project. So like his sort of avenue is to like yeah, get a slate of films together to try to raise like two million dollars to make like five or six movies rather than, you know, two hundred thousand dollars to make one movie because if the risk is spread across five different projects It's like, although the money's greater, the risk is, is is less because you're not putting all your eggs in one basket, you know?
1: Right. You don't need one film to hit. You need one of five films to hit.
0: Yeah. But, um, I don't know. I, it's funny. It's like, to me, it's like in the scheme of things, like it feels like such a small amount of money. Like I, I work a lot in the, um, in Silicon Valley in the world of venture capital and entrepreneurs, you know? So like I'm shooting these lectures where people are talking about the money they've raised and the money that they've invested in this and that. And it's like millions and millions of dollars, like all over the place. And it's like, you know, bro, like I don't even need that much. Just like toss me (laughs) off. Like, you know, 200,000, like I'll have my movie done. Like,
1: you know what we should do? We need to go find George Lucas. He's sitting on a pile of cash worth $4 billion and just be like, dude, we're local filmmakers. All we need is just like, like a million of that (laughs) Four billion? That's nothing. Yeah. We're gonna go make some movies, yeah. We're gonna make you proud.
0: In my experience with rich people, um, they didn't get rich by giving people a million dollars, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, right. uh, I wish they did. I wish that was, I wish million millionaires just wanted to give money away, but uh, that's just not how it goes. And I mean, I, I don't know, I think that like it's out there, like the solution to this funding problem is out there. And I think the more movies you make and the more people you talk to and the more you're out in the world, uh, the closer you'll get to the answers, you know. And maybe there isn't a real answer answer, but, you know, maybe there are other opportunities that we can all capitalize on at some point, you know, with um, yeah. more knowledge. and Well, stuff.
1: the reality is, is that there's eight at least 8,000 feature films being produced independently every year that's that's just from what's submitted to Sundance so we know that there's probably a bunch more outside of that so you're competing with 8,000 other films that are looking for funding right yeah that's a lot of competition (laughs) It's a lot of competition
0: you just need to not give up, right? Like, that's all there is to it. Because, like, at least for me, like, I was originally, like, when I thought about filmmaking, I'm like, oh, yeah, I need to, like, be at this level. Like, you know, movies in the theaters, big name, whatever, like, working with stars, that kind of thing. But I think now mm-hmm. it's more like if I can just make enough money on my movie or my first feature to make the next feature... And like put a roof over my head and and food in my mouth while doing it. That'll be enough, you know? And I think like that's just, that's the goal. The goal is just to make enough money
1: to make the next one and survive. Then you would be like, I am doing it. Yeah. Making it happen.
0: I'm living the dream, man. I make, make two movies a year or whatever, three movies, however it would have to be. I mean, hopefully not too many, but, (laughs) but yeah. Like,
1: so is that, is this your tip of the week? Like set your sights lower. Don't. Don't think that. Don't imagine your career as Michael Bay. Imagine your career as an indie filmmaker that's just able to get the next movie made. And
0: yeah, I guess that's my filmmaker tip of the week: is don't don't try to be <laughs> Michael Bay or Steven Spielberg. Because I think everybody sets themselves up against the gods, right? Like you compare yourself to the the people who are the best. You in just the called business.
1: Michael Bay a god,
0: not Michael Bay, but you know, Steven, <laughs> like the gods of filmmaking, like you know the. The powerhouses, like you always set yourself up to the highest standard. Like you're like, I need to be like Steven right. Spielberg. Like I need to be like, you know, Quentin Tarantino. And it's like, those are the outliers. Like, like aim your goals on something that you could actually achieve. Like just be like, you know, the guy who directs the Dolph Lundgren action film or Cause like those guys did the impossible to get to where they are, you know? And it's like to, to right. set your expectations for you to do the
1: impossible is like sort of crazy my tip of the week is make the movie you want to see and not the movie you think audiences want to see Mm. i think sometimes people think try to anticipate what the market's going to want or like what people might want to see and you can't there's no way you can do that so just like go after the movie that you think that you would want to see if you're in an audience member and then find your audience from there i think there's an audience for every movie I love that tip. I wish that was my tip of the week. That's a great. You can one. have it. You want to say it and then no, we'll we'll just no, edit it you, to make it sound like no, you said that.
0: It's yours. You got it. It's amazing <laughs> now. And and I, oh, I I've been thinking about that. I mean, in the last year, or so like, well no more than that. Actually, ever since I made Strange Thing because I was going through a period where I was writing for like I was trying to write the festival short film. And uh, yeah, yeah. oh God. You can't do that. No. And it's not even that you can't do it. It's soul crushing. It's almost as bad as going to a day job trying to write a movie that isn't your movie. (laughs) You know, it's like, oh. Right.
1: Well, I think the reason that any filmmaker that you admire is that filmmaker is because they have a strong point of view. And I think... What you need to do to stand out from everyone else that's making movies is have a point of view that's different from everyone else. So if all you're doing is just trying to rehash things that already exist, you're just going to like fade into the background and just be a bunch of noise. But if you have a point of view that's different, then you'll stick out and people will look to you and say, oh, this guy's like doing something different. I mean, think about Wes Anderson or Quentin Tarantino or P.T. Anderson, like any of these guys come at filmmaking from a different perspective. So I think you just need to do the same thing, like make the movie you want to see and try not to copy people. And eventually, hopefully that'll put you ahead of everyone else.
0: Yeah. Well said. Exactly. Make, make a movie that you can believe in and that you want to see. And then hopefully the audience will follow.
1: And that's the other thing. Make a movie you believe in because it's going to take you a long time to make it a lot of, resources a lot of energy and if you don't really believe in it it's just going to kill you and so it has to be something you're passionate about oh yeah absolutely is all that- right well I got to head to work so cool. everyone thanks for listening if you like this podcast help us get the word out we are now on iTunes and Stitcher so go and leave a review so other people can find us you can also follow us on Facebook and our Twitter account is at MMIH podcast you can follow me at Timothy Plain and you can follow me, Alric, at Alric B on Twitter. All right, and that's it. That's episode three. Boom. We'll see you next
0: week. Yeah, have a good day, guys.